Hi, everyone. You're listening to Topping the Curve, and this is your host, Sephora Gray. If you're a returning listener, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to follow us on Instagram and subscribe on our website. If you're new here, welcome. I hope you enjoy. One thing I did before I started my business, which was really invaluable, is I just interviewed business owners. I just called up some friends who owned businesses or had, you know, did work that was relevant to small business or medium business and offered them coffee or lunch. And I just asked questions. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Topping the Curve. On today's episode, I have Siobhan Smith, who's a small business attorney. So Siobhan, will you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, Sephora. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Very excited to be here. My name is Siobhan Smith. I'm an attorney in Washington, D.C. I'm the founder of the SJS Law Firm, uh, where we help small businesses and medium-sized businesses solve their legal issues. And I am a graduate of Howard University School of Law. Siobhan, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I know I just mentioned this to you before we got on air, but I'm really curious as to what led you into your current line of work. So what did you go to law school to do and how did you get here? Um, I didn't go to law school to do anything in particular other than mm-hmm. not work. Um, I graduated from college in in 2002 and it was right after 9-11 and the jobs were a little bit scarce. But more importantly, I always knew I wanted to go to grad school and just in talking with a bunch of different folks, um, felt like law school would be a good choice because I thought it would open up a lot of opportunities, which is is true to some extent and and not completely true. So that's how I ended up in in law school. So I never had a lifelong dream of being a lawyer. I just knew I liked reading and I liked writing um, and I liked analytical thinking. So I thought this will be a good place. So that's how I ended up in law school. Um, And then subsequent to that, I clerked for a judge. I clerked for a judge at um, Anna Blackburn Rigsby, who is now the chief judge of the D.C. Court of Appeals. And prior to that, she was on the D.C. Superior Court. And then I spent, can't even remember, six, seven, eight years, maybe six or seven years um, at a firm in D.C., a big firm in D.C. that no longer exists. They were um, acquired by another firm. And I did that. And by the time I left that firm, I was probably a seventh or eighth year or so. Um, and I was I was asked to leave. I was terminated. Um, it was a February. I distinctly remember it was the Monday after the Super Bowl. Wow. So I always celebrate the Monday after Super Bowl as my freedom, my freedom Monday. Um, but I was, you know, actually, and it was not a surprise to me. It was, you know, starting to not be as a fit. I looked around like I don't really want to be a partner here. This work isn't that interesting to me. But unlike a lot of friends that I had that practice law, I still liked practicing law. Um, and so really, I after I left, I really spent time just existing, just being and doing other things that you don't always have time to do when you work a demanding job where you have to bill a lot of hours. Um, and after a while, really stumbled upon, you know, opening my own firm, which at the beginning, I approached as a, well, maybe if I, I can do this until I find a job, but really kind of just turned into the thing I was doing. And I had always had friends who were business owners. I had just admired the spirit of an entrepreneur, a business owner. 
And when talking with people realized that the legal options for, for them, like there weren't, um, there wasn't a lot who really focused their practice on that. Now the options are, are plentiful, but at the time, not a lot of people who advertise, like I specifically work with this group of people. Um, I understand your pain points. I understand, you know, the billing rate that is not the same as if I'm representing a big company, but I'm also not doing individual representation. So it all kind of, that's how I ended up doing this practice, which I have started in 2013, 2014, and have been doing it ever since, working with small to medium-sized businesses, helping them solve legal issues. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of sticking to that point with small and business, small and medium-sized businesses, um, can you explain to me what exactly you help them do or like what does what does your work look like? Yes. Yeah, so um, right before we got on this call, I formed a Delaware C Corp for a new startup. Um, so that's being processed. And then after that, I will help them draft their uh, shareholder agreement, their bylaws and all of those initial documents. So the first step is just creating the entity, um, which when you know, when you work in big law, everyone comes to you kind of formed and together. So even those beginning stages were were new to me on the smaller scale. So um, my work looks like helping them form entities and just strategy around that and everything kind of involving having partners, whether it is bringing on partners or firing partners, which I do a lot of as well, um, or bringing on investors or, you know, looking at other capital opportunities for the business. It looks like a lot of contract drafting, Um, whether drafting for clients, doing a lot of review, negotiations, and just helping businesses understand, you know, what they're signing or what they're helping other people sign. It looks like, you know, people. So, you know, in order to grow, you need people, whether you have contractors or employees. So just understanding the employment laws and implications surrounding the business and just solving problems. You know, maybe the problem is with an employee, maybe the problem is with a customer, Maybe you're having an issue with uh, a, a government entity. Uh, it's really just um, solving problems. So I always say I, I work as general counsel for businesses that are big enough to have problems, but too small to have someone in-house full-time um, with eyes and ears on everything. So the the few things I do not do are intellectual property, which is super important for small business. So um, one of the ways that as a small firm that I've been able to kind of grow and help my clients is just partnering with other people. So um, I have another firm that I work with for my clients' intellectual property needs. And then tax is definitely not my thing. So again, partnering with other firms to help my clients kind of figure out those things. And then... <clears throat> It's also just, if it's something I don't do, just being able to issue spot and saying this is a problem and we need to find an expert who is not me, who we can bring in to help us with this. And then lastly, litigation. I don't do a lot of it, but clients, especially long-term clients, they get sued, they get a breach of contract action, or they get an employee who's filed a claim with EEOC. And so I'll step in and help with those matters as well. So it's really a very broad practice. And I always say my narrow niche is the the people that I I serve, but I do a lot to make sure they're protected. Mm -hmm. So in your role as a small and medium sized business attorney, um, it kind of sounds like most of your work is kind of 
helping them either form their company or helping them develop their company or doing different like contracts or whether it's like forming a, I think it was a C-Corp you just said. When you, when you talk about how you help them with any problems that may arise in that role, are you acting as um, in a regulatory role where you're advising them on the best plan of action? Regulatory in a sense of, of compliance with certain regulations for sure. So we're always thinking about that. Um, I have a client kind of going through an investigation right now on some wage and hour issues and that, you know, a lot of regulations involved there. So it definitely touches compliance and regulations for sure. Mm-hmm. So when the people that you work with, your companies, um, and I know this is kind of, this is something that lawyers, I guess, learn early on that when you're an attorney, you represent the company. So mm-hmm. when you are representing these companies, who, like, who is your client? Is If the CEO mm-hmm. of the company is coming to you, do you technically represent the company and the CEO? Or could you, in an instance, I don't know if there's co-CEOs, like you mentioned, sometimes you'll fire partners. Like, how do you, how does that balance come into play? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And I think it's even more poignant given my client base is the client is typically the owner. Um, but I usually end up talking to maybe a chief operations officer or a human resources manager or some other high level person, maybe more of my day to day contact. And that usually comes about as clients grow. Um, because I have a lot of clients where they call me from day one. So it's just them in the beginning or just them and a partner and they're the client. Um, and as they grow and they build out departments, you start to interact with more people. The reason why that's an interesting question is because my clients are smaller enterprises, You, the lines blur because they look at you as their lawyer and not necessarily as the company lawyer. And you always have to be in a place and reminding them that I act in the best interest of the entity um, and to the extent. And typically when I'm doing a, a partner divorce, when kind of partners are disassociating from an entity, it's typically new clients. This is a difficult question when you have people you've worked with for five years and then there is a dispute between two partners. In a lot of ways, you you have a conflict there. Um, so I'm always kind of reminding clients that I work in the best interest of the company, but those lines definitely get blurred because they see you as their attorney. They start calling about personal things that don't have aren't necessarily related to the business. So it is important, you know, to keep on top of those ethics in terms of who the actual client is. Mm-hmm. So another thing that you talked about when you were explaining like what you do and what your work with your client looks like, you mentioned that you don't do litigation. So mm-hmm. I'm curious as to, I guess, one, what led you down this path? Like, was it the work that you did at your big law firm? Um, what kind of led you into thinking, oh, I'm going to specifically be a small and medium-sized business attorney mm-hmm. instead of just so any other type of, you know, transactional attorney. I'm mm-hmm. thinking along the lines of you have law students who, you know, they know they want to be transactional or corporate attorneys, but they're unsure of if they want to go into M&A or maybe trust and estates or real estate or anything along yeah. those lines. So how did you, like, how did you know? Yeah. So I will say, to say I don't do litigation would, would not be accurate. I, I do it more than I want to, but I usually have 
one or two cases floating around, but I definitely do not <laughs> advertise myself as a, as a litigator. Um, I would say what let me down this path. Yeah. It, so I, and one thing I didn't mention that I do is a little bit of real estate and uh, mostly commercial leasing. So you have clients who are um, getting space. So I help with that, which is really just reviewing a contract. Honestly, I would say I let the work guide me. So I didn't necessarily start my practice and say, I'm going to work with small businesses and I'm only going to help them, you know, merge and acquire other businesses. Or I'm going to work with small businesses and I'm only going to help them on intellectual property matters. I just said, I know I want to work with these people and let's see where the work goes. So it really was me just finding people that I liked, liked what they were doing. Um, and then I started to get a sense of, oh, these are the types of issues that these types of businesses have. And so really tried to position myself as an expert on the things that affect affected the particular clientele base I was interested in working with. Okay. So you let your clients kind of guide you. So my next follow-up question is, did you choose your clients? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, you are just happy <laughs> that the phone is ringing, right? Mm -hmm. But I knew what I was looking for and I knew when to say no. So I knew if something came that's like, oh, not quite what I'm trying to build here. I knew when to say no. And I knew and learned how to position myself to find the clients that I wanted. So, I mean, obviously there's some trial and error and it took some work, but I knew, you know, if I was a part of certain organizations, if I spoke on certain topics um, and just kind of had the, what I do down, then it would, it would all kind of line up, which is really what's happened so far is that you meet people, you get some good referral sources, they understand what you do. They have a lot of friends who do the same thing. So for instance, I work with a number of folks who do government contracting and they know other government contractors. So then you kind of start to, to build it out in that way. So when I say I let the clients guide the work, it was more so I spent time figuring out what our pain points. So I will say, one thing I did before I started my business, which was really invaluable, is I just interviewed business owners. I just called up some friends who owned businesses or had, you know, did work that was relevant to small business or medium business and offered them coffee or lunch. And I just asked questions. I asked about what their pain points were. I asked about their experience working with an attorney. And was it good? Was it bad? Um, what would they have liked better? And that really was just invaluable intel for me to kind of build out my practice and say, okay, so these are the sort of things that people are looking for help on. Mm -hmm. So another question that just kind of popped into my mind, as you mentioned that you interviewed these business owners, what does your client interaction look like? How much are you on a, either on a daily or weekly basis interacting with your clients? All the time. So, I mean, sometimes I feel like all I do for a living is answer emails. Because you're just always um, communicating with people. So, um, and, you know, some clients um, are have become friends. So it's like text messages and others, it's, it's meetings and phone calls. So a day, it's a rare day that I'm not having some client communication. And I have a pretty, you know, I'm not going to say a huge client base, but I have multiple clients. I will say 
that because of that, I try to block out days where I don't talk to clients or mm-hmm. even new potential clients. So Mondays, I try to keep meeting free um, just so I have that time to do deep thinking, deep working. Um, but client contact is is all the time, which is something, you know, when you work in a bigger firm that you you don't get all the time. Um, but in those instances, you really have to look at, you know, the senior partner, the senior associate as your, as your client in that instance. Mm -hmm. So again, following along the same path of clients and the work that you do, can you, and I guess it would, it might be helpful to maybe put this in the sphere of how your work compared to when you were at big law versus now. And Mm -hmm. I'm talking in terms of billable hours. So, um, I don't think it's, foreign on anyone who is listening to this podcast that, um, big law attorneys work a ton of hours. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's like definitely not a 95, nine to five. So what would you say your typical, um, billable hour week or month would look like? Yeah. I, so I would say the difference is I probably am not billing as many hours, but I'm also running a business and I wasn't doing that before. So maybe in a day, if I spend five hours on client matters, I still need to do invoicing. I still need to think about marketing. I still need to think about managing the people that I work with. I still need to think about tax, you know, all the things that come with running a branding and, and all the things that come with running a business. So I, I do end up working a lot. I just have a lot more control over my schedule, um, can kind of be more flexible, work from where, I mean, I guess everybody can work from where they want to now, which wasn't maybe the case five years ago. Um, but I just probably have more flexibility. Uh, so Mm -hmm. I would, I, it's hard for me to say, I mean, I do have those long days and it's not uncommon that I work on the weekend, but you know, I try not to make it a habit because I do want to, the point of working for myself is I get to enjoy life and kind of build the life that I want. Um, but there still is a lot of work to be done because it is on top of the client work, all the things that support running a business. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I'm thinking about is, so in your in your work as a small business attorney, you mainly do mm-hmm. corporate or transactional mm-hmm. work, but you simultaneously Correct. have um, a very large, you're like largely client, client focused. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think that may be the case, that is probably the case in in some big law instances as well in those corporate and transactional practice groups as well, but maybe not so much for uh, more junior associates. And so what's one way that you were able to prepare yourself for the client facing aspect that you found yourself coming into Mm -hmm. as you started your small business attorney firm? I will say the one thing that I mentioned earlier is just blocking out time to you know, people do business with people that they like. So be likable, but also just people want to know that they're being heard. So empathy and listening goes a long way in, in interacting with clients and, and preparing for that client facing role. And just to remember, I think sometimes we have the false sense that people expect us to always have the answer, always know the answer. They really don't. What they expect is that you'll help them figure it out. Um, and that they can trust that if they put this in your hands, that it's, it's off of their shoulders and that you will help lead it to some sort of resolution. So 
you know, I, I think in a lot of maybe younger lawyers make this mistake where they want to seem authoritative or that they have the answer um, and the person has come to them and they know exactly what to do. I often say, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you. Uh, let me think about that. Um, so I would say just being approaching it from a place of learning, from a place of empathy, um, and that people don't necessarily expect you to have the answer, just that they can trust that you you will help them solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So as we're thinking about, you know, your small business uh, firm, SJS Law Firm, and the path mm-hmm. that led you here, is there any other degree, like maybe like a business degree that you feel like you needed or would have been helpful in, in your firm or is a law degree completely sufficient? Yeah, I'm going to say, you know, to practice law, it, whatever, unless you're doing something super technical, um, you know, intellectual property focus, the, the law degree, I say, is sufficient. Um, I have contemplated various business certificates just because I've been interested in topics, but I don't necessarily think it's interesting. It's important. I do think I have just an interest in business in general. And so I find my clients fascinating. I find their work fascinating. And so I spend a lot of time talking about that with them. And so that helps me kind of learn how they manage things. Um, And just so I'm always approaching my business clients. Yeah, from a legal standpoint, but, you know, sometimes it's it's a business question too and making sure I'm always keeping that in mind. So I would not say that, I'm lacking because I don't have the business degree, um, but I could see how it, it could be helpful for for some folks as well. Mm-hmm. And Siobhan, what advice would you give to all law students and then even attorneys now who either want to go and be a small business attorney or are considering a career move? What advice would you give to them to succeed in this arena? So I do not, the advice is, the same advice I would give you if you said you wanted to be, you know, a tax attorney or a criminal law attorney or family law attorney, I would say it's just to talk to people, get to know people, open up your network, find people who do something that you think you may be interested in um, and speak with them. They may have opportunity for you, for you to shadow them, to learn more about what they do. Just build up your, your network um, and the good thing about that is that no matter what you decide to do, there are people there who will be willing to help you. So that's one thing. And two is just learning. So there are a bunch of free classes and courses on any topic you want to learn about, whether it's in business or anything else. So spend some time on those areas and, and issues um, and see if they are of interest to you. But just to open opening up your network and making connections is, is super critical. And now, Siobhan, I'm going to bring us into the section of final four questions, which Mm -hmm. is I'm going to ask you four questions. And I would just like for you to say the first thing that comes into your mind, but you can feel free to elaborate. Okay. Okay. First question. How can law students best set themselves up for success? I would say the same thing I just said in the uh, previous question, which is opening up your network. And I would say it's something I failed at miserably early in my career. Um, but just being able to, to think about a thing you want to do and pick up a phone, pick up the phone and have someone in your network that can help you walk you through it is going to be invaluable throughout your career. And it's going to be on the minutia of, I don't understand this rule and how I'm supposed to file this document, pick up the phone, 
or to the big picture of I need to move across the country and make a career change, who can I call? So I think just in a genuine way, building your network. So, you know, people understand that you're networking and you should be intentional about it, but you should also be genuine about it as well. Mm-hmm. How can attorneys find success in the workplace? Being intentional. I would say just coming up with a plan of the things you want to achieve in your workplace and being intentional about it, whether it is intentional about the connections, intentional about the assignments you want to work on, about the cases you want to work on, the experiences you want to have. Think about all those things that would make a good career um, and just be intentional about creating those experiences. Mm -hmm. What is one person or one thing that every law student must have? One thing I would say just resiliency. Um, it is challenging being in law school. So I would say a thing is, is, is having some resilience. Um, I would say a person. I guess the obvious answer would be a mentor. But I would say just someone who a friend who is going through the same thing. So I think the friendships you make in law school are important because just to have someone, because it's not, it's, it's hard to explain to someone what the first year of law school is like unless you've been through the first year of law school. So just someone who can, uh, you know, keep you motivated, who's going through the same thing, I think it's important. Mm-hmm. And then finally, how did you relax while in law school? Um, how did I relax? I was just, the thing that comes to mind is just friends. I had roommates in law school and they were a lot of fun. Um, so I would just say spending time with friends and intentionally taking days off. Um, even now the work can consume you. It never stops like in law school. So just intentionally taking time off to be with people whose company you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And with that, Siobhan, it brings me to the end of the episode. I want to thank you so much for joining me. I definitely found all of this informative and know that all of my listeners will too. Thank you very much for having me. It was great to chat with you. Um, And always my phone is open. My email is open. If people have questions, they want to talk more, I'm very, very happy to do so. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to another episode. As Siobhan said, all of her information will be left in the show notes and you should definitely feel free to reach out to her and definitely check out her website and her law firm, SJS Law Firm. As always, guys, if you have any questions or any suggestions, please reach out to me. You can reach out to me via my website, Instagram or anything and follow us on Instagram, follow us on LinkedIn, follow us on Facebook, and I will see you guys in my next one. Thanks. Bye.